the superhero exchange number one nine or three four this is captain america all avengers listen closely our individual attacks on carnage are having no effect we have to combine our efforts and act as one if we hope to defeat it four stands behind you yeah, yeah. okay And now, it's time to sit back and enjoy the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. Okay, let's get this show on the road, gang. These freaks are dedicated, hard-working people. I'm Batman. Whosoever holds this hammer, if he be worthy, shall possess the power of Thor. This looks like a job for Superman. Hey! Let's hear it for Captain America! Gentlemen, you're up. (laughs) And now, Michael Bailey, Scott Gardner, and Chris Honeywell. Hello, and welcome to Comics Monthly Monday, number 44. I like saying 44. And I am here with my cohorts of Comics Monthly Monday, Scott Gardner. Hey, how's it going? Say that again. Hey, how's it going? Uncanny. And Mr. Michael Bailey. Hi, everybody. Say that again. (laughs) Hi, everybody. That wasn't bad either. Oh my god, I'm doing a podcast with a couple minor birds. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm eating these badass uh, reduced fat uh, cheese it knockoffs from Kroger. Michael, want to cheese it? <laughs> Michael, want to cheese it? No, they're actually really good. I'm surprised because usually store brand sucks. You don't fool me, you stupid minor bird. I'm not deaf yet. <laughs> <laughs> And, well, I think uh, we, we had the best uh, best Comics Monthly Monday last month. I believe the one that we released in September was probably the... Oh, wait, we didn't, because somebody was on vacation. I was just going to say, it's been, I'm, I'm sort of glad to be back, because man, we had we, had, oh, we, we went on vacation, Mike? and then we did, talked about vacation for a month. Did we forget to invite Mike on that one? Damn, that was a really, <laughs> really good I, episode, too. I thought, <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were it's, supposed to call him. It's not that I hate you. It's just that I fucking hate you. (laughs) That's the one that got nominated for the podcast award, right? That was probably the best one we ever did, too. Uh, Yeah. It's flying off the shelves. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Back and we're, as as with all of the monthly Monday shows this month, so far, Knockwood, we're uh, back on format. Mm-hmm. So I'll knock my wood after the show. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there was a lot of discussion in the last 
show we recorded. <laughs> I'm sensing a common thread. Is that, is that shirt still standing up by itself? Now <laughs> <laughs> we get to find out how many people like listen listen across the board to the podcast. You'll you'll have to you'll have to listen to all our other podcasts to find out what we're talking about <laughs> if you, if you really 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 want to. <laughs> So what do we got? What do you guys? Uh, what do you guys got? Comic book wise for the month. Since well, it's been so long. Well, not comic, but I, I I probably have the least of any of you guys because I'm sure and you well, guys. I probably ha- got the most, so I'll go last. You guys, I'm sure you guys have a backlog worked up. You know, of a, a, a bursting dam of of comic news. While <laughs> I have less, I have a little comic news, but I'm not not that I'm not at liberty. To go over it this month, but it's something. It's more uh, for another show. But I can tell you some of what I got. But um, the one thing I wanted to say, and it sort of tangentially hits us because this is a Demanza Court podcast. But I have been hearing from a lot of listeners, and you'll probably hear this on some of the other shows, that sometimes they have trouble like finding back issues episodes of Two True Freaks. And Demanza Corp podcasts that, you know, they'll start listening and they want to go back through and sometimes they have a... Well, now, if you go to our forums at forumforgeeks.com and you go to the Two True Freaks forum, you don't have to sign up for it or anything. You can just go there as a guest. And there's a Two True Freaks omnibus. Every goddamn thing we ever put out (laughs) through our Libsyn feed from the very beginning is on there for better or worse, warts and all. You can go there and just work your way up through it if you're that kind of masochist. So, yeah. I, you mean I, if they were like a media masochist? If they were, and they could listen to every episode of the media masochist exactly. from there. And uh, I'm going to start attaching you know, a link to it onto our Libsyn feed and stuff, so you could go to the Libsyn page and, and click on it if you, if you need to find back episodes, but... That that's all I, I just want to say. I don't I don't want to hear any more griping, man. It's right there for you if if you want it. You can go and uh, you can go and get it. Because it's always good to tell the people that support you to stop bitching. That's right. <laughs> if, if you want it, here it is. Come, Come and get, get it. it. But you better, better hurry. hurry. It's going. It's going. going. Yeah. That's funny because it's just that it's stuck in my head too. That's funny. I know you. I know that you'd say that there must be a catch, but. Would you walk away from a fool and his money, <laughs> Sonny? So you must have gone to the uh, Dan DiDio school of how to treat your fan base. That's what I'm thinking. Hey, guys, here's what we're going to do. We're going to do whatever the hell we want, and you can complain, but we're not going to listen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> so, yeah. Mm, I like but it. I'm not going to bitch about easy. that, because that would... <laughs> Be I, like I decided that... <laughs> Well, no, well, that, and I've decided that uh, complaining about the new 52 is kind of like yelling at the wind. Uh, it's, it's not going to do you any good, so why bother? Oh, to do that, so. <laughs> Yell at the you wind. You are good at it, too. Scott will shake his fist at the wind and kick at it and everything. He'll Tell it to get off down, his lawn. Throw his hat down on the ground and challenge it. Yeah. Fit into it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad that at, uh, at the ripe old age of uh, 42 that Scott is already, already you know, an old man. <laughs> so. um, 
Well, I, I guess it's. it's uh, are you? Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I got a little more. Oh, okay. The, the only other, co- oh, yeah! the only new comics that I've been getting. Jesus Christ, uh, <laughs> were um, Walking Dead. I wouldn't. I had to actually because of Scott Gardner. I ran to the comic store. I ran to my bike and pedaled like the Wicked Witch to the comic store to get um, Walking Dead 102 because I got a cryptic email from Scott that just said, "Have you read Walking Dead 102 yet?" Question mark. And I'm like, oh, God. Oh, God, what happened? I got to find out. So that's like the only new comic I bought. But I got some I old... Um... Did you read it? Yes, I did. I liked it. Mm-hmm. I liked where it's going. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, it's... Yes, I, I, it's going... It, they're, doing just, they're doing just what I would do. Yep. Anyway, and I like that because it means blood. There will be blood. But uh, I got some underground comics, which I'll go to in detail in um, the, the, what, the next funny book, Underbelly. Um, but About that to, 102, Walking Dead 102, though, what I don't understand, where the hell did they find all that ice cream? I know. But, you know, it's a comic book. You just Sometimes you just got to go, you know, there's ice cream. There, it's, yeah. I don't know, man. It's it's a new direction, but I like where it's going. I do too. <laughs> and uh, so I, I scored me some undergrounds. I made a trade with John, Mr. Johnny Bueno, who's when he up whenever he upgrades his undergrounds, I get the you know the lesser conditioned one, which is fine with me. That's I just want to read them. But just as a teaser, I got two original Arkham big ass comics. <laughs> so I've added a couple big-ass comics to my collection. They're not big-ass comics. They're normal-sized comics. They're big-ass comics. And that's all I got. Alrighty, I'll start with um, the latest acquisition first. Um, you guys know what POGs are? Yeah. Yes. Okay, you actually know what POG stands for, though. I found this out recently. Um pissed off guy <laughs> um depending guy? on depending on what is actually the truth the, the game that pog that you play with a pog piece of uh, brass um was either created in like 17th century japan or early 1920s hawaii and the reason why they're called pogs is the caps they would use was from this particular brand of juice that was passion fruit, orange, and guava. So pog. There you go. There's your guava. So um, in the 90s, some school teacher in Hawaii decided, hey, I'm going to bring this back because I could teach kids math with it and I'm sick of dodgeball. So... I'm not kidding on that either. Uh, and it became like a really big thing for a while. And Skybox, who was uh, putting out pretty much a trading card set a month for most of the early 90s, decided they were going to get in on this action. And they re- released their version of the POG, which is a Skycap. I managed to find an entire box of them. Unopened 36 packs of, of DC Skycaps. So uh, I have an entire set, and I have a slammer, and I have all the foil stuff, so I actually got the whole thing, so that was kind of fun. I, uh, I, for some reason, I really, probably because it's when I was really starting to collect comics seriously, I have a soft spot for stuff from the 90s, no matter how silly it was, 
and pogs were pretty damn silly. So I have that. Um, I found on eBay recently, it was one of those, you guys can probably relate to this. You, you think you're on top of things. You think, okay, I know this character so well that if I see something, then damn it, I'm going to know, okay, I have that or I've seen that before and I know that it exists. And I like to kind of think of myself as that with Superman. You know, if it's out there and it's, you know, native to this country, I got an idea of what it is. So, but uh, every once in a while I'll window shop on eBay and I, you know, just randomly type Superman in, put into comics and see what's about to go off um, auction because usually you can find Mm -hmm. some pretty good deals that way. Especially if you're going at like three in the morning when they're ending, when nobody's paying attention to them. And I found this thing called Superman Spectacular. And it had Superman on the cover with Terra Man, Lex Luthor, and Superman Red, Superman Blue. But in a mo- like drawn modern in a modern way, not like the Kurt Swan original artwork from the sixties. Did you post that on Facebook? I think I yes, remember I did. seeing that. Okay, I saw yes, that. Yes, I did. And I won it. I won it for like three bucks. Uh, it was really cheap. And three bucks. It was it was inexpensive. Uh, and I got it, and it's and it's a modern story. Now, from what I understand, this may be something that was produced for the UK or the European market, and they just released it eventually in the United States. Because Andy, I believe it was Andy, uh, sent me pictures of the version of it that he has. Uh, but still, it was kind of cool to find that there's a story out there that I didn't know exist in the pre-crisis Superman, where Lex Luthor and Terror Man are pretty much teamed up to fight Superman. They expose him to red kryptonite, and he splits into Superman red, Superman blue. With artwork by Adrian Gonzalez and unfortunately inked by Vinnie Coletta. But uh, that doesn't actually ruin it, surprisingly. <laughs> so so I was kinda uh, it was kinda fun to uh, to find that. I also, you know, Dragon Con happened uh, at the end of August, early September, and we haven't had an episode since then. And the one the the the, the couple of things that I got while I was at Dragon Con, that I actually really ended up liking were some of the newer Batman stories, oddly enough. Uh, I picked up the Court of Owls hardcover, which is the first seven. Don't let anyone tell you different. It's the first seven issues of the new Batman series. Holy shit, was this a good Batman story. It's, It's him uncovering this secret organization in Gotham City that's basically the real power behind the city and they're coming after Bruce Wayne and it's really good and leads to this whole thing called night of the owls, which is a huge back crossover that I'm in the middle of reading. Cause I found it at a really cheap price. It so I really like lo- Bohemian Grove or something like that. So I really liked that. Cause especially the chapter where they capture Batman and he has to escape from there wherever they put him. And it's this real mind fuck of an issue. Um, I also picked up, this one actually ended up upsetting me a little bit, um, Batman and Robin Volume 1 Born to Kill, which is the first eight issues of Bruce Wayne with his son Damien. And certain events happen during the course of this story that would never have happened five, ten years ago. Simply because... Batman wouldn't have let it happen. 
And the fact that it has happened, I don't know if you guys uh, care if I spoil this or not. Uh, people out there may have be waiting to read it, but uh, oh fuck it! Spoiler warnings. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm ruin good. the ending. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna ruin the ending. It. Um, basically. Bruce and Damien are trying to figure each other out because this is the first time that they're really working as Batman and Robin together. And Henry Ducard's son shows up and basically tries to corrupt Damien and bring him over to his side. And at the end of the story, Damien kills him. Flat out kills him. No ambiguity, he kills him. And Batman really doesn't do anything about it. And that bugged the crap out of me. Because he's a 10-year-old kid. You're trying to get him back on the right path. He kills somebody. And your reaction is, okay, don't let it happen again. (laughs) So, but having said that, the writing was pretty strong up until that time. I'm still just kind of upset about the ending. I have also, I also found, this this was a cool little find. A copy of the Wonder Woman DC animated film, the double disc set for five dollars at Books a Million. Oh damn! So uh, I was really happy to find that. Have you watched like it yet? Uh, I've seen the movie before, and I had like a like a one disc thing. But I with those, I like to get most of the time. I like to get the second disc because mm-hmm. uh, it usually has some cool supplemental features. And it was there, and it was five bucks. So I'm like, fuck it, I'll get it. Uh, And I have seen Batman The Dark Knight Returns Part 1. Bought it the week it came out. And my, in a nutshell, review is that it's a good film. I have some problems with it. And I think I can best sum it up that I think I feel about this animated film the same way that Andy and Michael felt about DC New Frontiers animated adaptation that while it was good and had and had a lot going for it it misses out on a lot of what makes dark knight a really cool story basically there's no narration and that entire story is nothing but narration it's mm-hmm. all of frank the, miller talk yeah all of the emotional beats and all of the things i love about that story are pretty much tied into batman or or Robin or Jokers or, or whoever's narration, and it's not there. Having said that, Peter Weller makes a pretty damn good Batman because he's uh, voicing the um, uh, Bruce Wayne in the Dark Knight. So, so it's like Robo Batman, Robo Batman. Yeah. Sometimes when you hear Batman like crying out in pain, you hear Murphy dying and Robo dying. The the sound of Peter Weller screaming is pretty damn specific. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, the one thing I will mention about it that I thought was funny in Dark Knight Returns is there's a scene at the beginning of the second issue where James, uh, where Jim Gordon is coming home from picking up some bean sprouts for his wife, and he ends up shooting a member of the uh, mutant gang who was a 17-year-old kid. And it's this one-page thing, and again, mostly driven by his narration. Well, they didn't do that. Instead, they set it up in this other scene where he goes to a convenience store and is buying the sprouts, And when he walks into the convenience store, there is a shot of a comic book rack. And on the rack are issues of Crisis on Infinite Earths, V for Vendetta, Watchmen, uh, Sandman, and Swamp Thing. 
So basically, all of the big gritty storyline series of the late 80s are represented on that comic rack, proving that um, that much like the Robo in the movie RoboCop, which takes place in the alternate future where ROM is still being published, which always <laughs> cracks me up when I see that. Uh, apparently. Apparently, DC's kicking out books, uh, the same books in like 20 years in the future. The score to this movie is really interesting. It's done by Christopher Drake, uh, who I think has done a fantastic job uh, on the films that he has scored for the DC animated uh, department. I think Scott agrees with me. Oh, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. I I think he's very, very talented. I, I happen to read an article or an interview with him about his work on The Dark Knight, and because the book is so 80s-centric, he basically is trying to ape John Carpenter and other people of the time that had kind of synth scores uh, in their movies in the 80s. And uh, it works out quite well, because it Ooh, really I... has an 80s vibe, of, a vibe to it. So... I really liked it. Uh, had some problems with it, but I really liked it. And that's about it for me. Sweet. Well, uh, I I actually have not been buying uh, any comics lately. After uh, after Star Wars Celebration, I've been both uh, broke, busy, and sick. So I haven't really had a chance to uh, to go out and hunt back issues or anything like that. Um. Did some comic shopping right at the tail end of, of Celebration because there was uh, the one day where uh, Chris and I and uh, Sean Engel went out uh, comic shop hunting one day. And then Sean surprised me on the last day he was here. He had a few hours to kill before it was time for him to head out. And he actually drove up to where I live and picked me up and we went to a local mall and went to a comic shop there. So that was pretty cool. Um I don't think I got anything. No, actually, I think I did pick up one book, and now for the life of me, I can't remember what the hell it was. But it was just fun just, you know, bumming around some comic shops for a few hours. But uh, I really haven't been picking up anything, but I've been reading a lot of comics lately. I finally got around to uh, to reading... There was a sequel to uh, the Batman versus uh, the Wrath story from way, way back in Batman special back in the eighties, the one that was done by Michael Golden. There was the a recent the player, player on, on the, the other, other side. side. Yeah, there was a recent sequel to that that was published in uh, Batman Confidential. It was a four part story, and I read it when it was coming out, but I I missed the last issue, and and this was a couple years ago. So I've been wanting to read the fourth issue just to see how the story resolved and everything and, and never did get around to it. I finally made time to read that. And uh, while I still feel like the sequel was completely unnecessary, at the same rate, it wasn't a bad story. You know, for a story that never needed to be told, it wasn't half bad. Thank you for telling me that because I recently picked up the trade paperback. That you might, you might both, like it. Both It has both the player on the other side and the sequel in it. I'd be very curious so, to see what you're going to think about it when you read okay. it. Yeah, I got it on the stack. It's 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 on the it's on my to do list. So uh, I'll let you know. Well, for one thing, I really like the the author of that who is escaping me at the moment. I think it might Tony be Bedard. Tony Bedard. Yeah, that's who I was thinking, but I wasn't sure that was right. Yeah, I like his writing a whole lot, so that helped a lot with that. But you know, like I say, for a story that never ever needed to be told, 
it wasn't bad. I actually found myself enjoying it. And uh, just been reading some different things. I've been on a bit of an Iron Man kick lately that uh, I'm really enjoying, trying to get some, somewhat caught up on uh, on current events with uh, with Marvel just because, you know, with Avengers having come out um, on DVD recently, uh, I've just been on much more of a, of a Marvel kick lately, especially, you know, the, the characters featured in the Avengers and just been curious to to dig into more of their more recent adventures and see what they're doing in in recent Marvel uh, titles and stuff like that. So I've been slowly getting caught up on some of that stuff because uh, you know the pictures got leaked online of uh, you know where they're going to be going in Iron Man three, and everybody's losing their minds over the pictures of uh, Iron Man in the extremist armor and then the Iron Patriot. And I'm just looking at them going. Holy shit! Am I out of touch? I have no idea who they're talking about. So I've been trying to get somewhat, you know, back in the know as far as that sort of thing. It's a weird feeling for me, you know, when something comes out comic related, you know, and it's a mainstream character like Iron Man to look at it and just go, I have no idea what's going on no, here. I don't I, know what I everybody's can, what. I can tell you right now, the Iron Patriot is not who the Iron Patriot was in the comics. So yeah, I didn't figure it was because in the, in the comics it was Norman Osborn, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I so, think in the movie it's going to turn out to be uh, Rhodey. I think probably, uh, which would be cool. Yeah, but I like the design regardless. I think that's a really cool armor because it's basically you know Iron Man wearing like a like an armor version of Captain America's outfit. That's pretty neat. I like that idea. But the big thing for me, and this uh, this was literally just a couple of nights ago, um, I got some comics left for me at work by my buddy, Kirk Landry. Now, he was in town. He was uh, in Orlando for uh, one of the marathons that uh, they hold at Walt Disney World every year. This was the uh, the Twilight Zone. This was a 10... It was either a 10-mile or a 10-kilometer marathon. I think it was a 10-mile uh, marathon that he was participating in. And uh, I was telling him that, you know, dude, you know, my hat's off to people that can do stuff like that. I could never do it. I, I couldn't run 10 miles if I was being chased by a pissed-off grizzly bear driving a tractor trailer. You know, it just ain't going to happen. <laughs> you know? <laughs> but, uh, but he did it. You know, I asked him you know, how it went and everything. And, you know, of course, it was brutally hot outside. But he did it. He made the race and everything. And I always feel bad because this is like the second or third time now that, that Kirk's come to Disney and, and you know, we want to hang out and everything, but I'm, I'm always working and it just it hasn't really worked out to where we've gotten to see each other for just more than literally like a couple of minutes, you know, just to shake hands and say, hey, how's it going and that sort of thing. So we intended to get together. It never really happened, but he did stop by the resort and he kept telling me he had some books for me, but he was being very cryptic about it. He really didn't give me any information at all as far as what he had. And, you know, I mean, it, I, 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 you know, me, I love free swag from anybody, but, you know, usually somebody says, yeah, I got some books for you. You never know really what to expect. It could be anything. It could be something really, really awesome. It could be something that you mentioned in passing on some show that, gee, I wish I had a copy of this, and then they're hooking you up. Or it could be, you know, a, a stack of 90s books that, you know, it was just some crap laying around their house they just wanted to get rid of. You know what I mean? You never know what it's going to be. This is, hands down, the most awesome stack of comics that anybody just handed to me for free. I swear to God. I was completely blown away by this. This is, I've got, uh, this was uh, seven issues that he gave me here. Check this shit out. Adventure Comics, 
number 308. This is the May 1963 issue. Cover on this is awesome. It's Superboy wow. is flying into the frame. He's carrying little teeny tiny Pa Kent and Ma Kent in, in one hand. And uh, Pete Ross is spitting flame on him. Lana Lang looks absolutely freakish because she's got this huge, like, giraffe neck and her arm is stretching up to uh, pick a kitten or a... It's either a kitten or a puppy. It's hard to tell in this picture. I guess it's supposed to be a puppy off of a ledge. And then Chief Parker is growing huge and busting out of the top of his antique cop car. He's saying, Superboy, he's all pissed off. And he's going, Superboy, you've infected us all with red kryptonite virus. And it's changed our bodies weirdly. I order you to leave town. And I'm thinking, you know, Superboy and Superman, over the course of his life, has really put up with a lot of shit from these ungrateful bastards, you know? Here he saves their stupid, crappy town, issue after issue after issue. But every time something like this happens, they instantly turn on him every time. Yeah, they get the pitchforks and the torches, and and off they go. (laughs) I love it. I absolutely love it. I can't wait to read this. It looks like it's going to be an absolute hoot. And I think this is a Kurt Swan uh, cover on this one. This is the only one that, that is not... Neil Adams. The rest of these are Neil Adams, and they're absolutely oh, wow. awesome. So the next one is uh, Adventure Comics 371. This is uh, August 1968. Chris and I were just wee tykes. We infinks when this came out. I have wanted this issue for a <laughs> long, long time. And this has uh, got the story in it when Superboy walked out on the Legion, and he's... Uh, walking off and boarding this really awesome looking spaceship but again it's a it's a neil adams cover and it's just gorgeous and it's basically superboy saying you know he's turning and looking at the legion that are standing there crying as he's walking up this ramp and he's looking back and he's basically saying screw you assholes i got a new bunch of buddies to hang up you know hang out with now i really like the cover on this um also adventure comics 372 which was uh september 68 this one is just awesome. This big, freaky-looking guy. He almost looks like a Mazo not wearing a shirt and wearing a red hood. And he's swinging a wooden mallet and smashing a glass Superboy. I don't know what the hell the story is on this one, but it looks really cool. Um, I, I'm psyched. I can't wait to read these. You know what? I didn't even notice till now. The original cover price on all three of these issues, 12 cents. Huh. That is nuts. Wow. Uh, let's see what else is here. Superboy, 149. This is uh, Superboy meets Bonnie and Clyde. This is a great cover. Sure, why not? <laughs> I mean, despite the fact that it's Bonnie and Clyde, and you're looking at it going, what? You know, they're gunning at at Clark Kent, and he's, uh, he's stepping in front of Lana Lang and letting the bullets deflect off the front of him, and it's, it's actually ripping open his shirt to expose the S underneath, and Lana's going, Clark, I was right. You are Superboy, and I just love this cover. It's really nice. Again, another uh, Neil Adams, really sharp cover. And it just says, you saw the movie. Now we'll see what happens when Superboy meets Bonnie and Clyde. Well, this is, you know, July 68, so this is way too early for Superman the movie, so they've got to be talking about Bonnie and Clyde the movie, I guess. I thought they were talking about Superman versus Bonnie and Clyde. <laughs> that was a great movie. That would be a fantastic movie. You're yeah, that actually that. would be a good movie. 
This next one is one I have wanted to own forever. This is one of the best Neil Adams covers, in my personal opinion. Now, Neil Adams did a lot of Superboy covers. Almost all of them were really, really awesome. Most of them were awesome because he just had this creepy factor to him. And this is one of the best. This is uh, Superboy 151. This is where Superboy is walking into the police station. He's getting horrified looks by the desk sergeant and the guy that's just kind of standing in the background. He's holding Lana Lang's corpse and saying, I I just killed Lana Lang. And he's, you know, tears are running down his face. It's great. It says DOA in cold blood. <laughs> I love it. Nice. It's a great cover on this. Um... Then last issue for uh, for Superboy is uh, Superboy 159, The Day It Rained Superboys. And again, it's... <sighs> what? It, I know. It's it's just one of these covers you look at and go, what the hell? By any other artist, this would not work. It would be the most ridiculous thing you'd ever seen. But it's, this is a Neil Adams cover, and it just looks awesome. And you've got these Superboys... That are just, they're standing, like, with their arms at their sides. This is like Catholic priest porn or something. (laughs) They're just plummeting out of the sky, you know, and falling at these, like, citizens that are all, like, raising their hands up, like, to guard themselves against these superboys that are falling out of the sky. But it's just a gorgeous, gorgeous cover. And that one's, uh, that's a September 1969 issue on that. So not a one of these, you know past 1969 that's just crazy i mean all silver age stuff really really nice books but this this is the topper right here this is the coup de gras got the avengers number 20 wow number 20 that's uh I, I had to look inside because I couldn't remember what year this would be. It's a September 1965 issue. This is that one I'm sure. Can you imagine what his comic what what his comic collection looks like with the comics that he keeps? I know. <laughs> I know. This is crazy. Well, you got- he lives at Disney, so I assume he's just wealthy <laughs> as hell. Because it's like every five minutes on Facebook, Kirk is like, "Yeah, Disney again. Yeah, here I am, Disney." So. I know you guys have seen this cover. This is the one where uh, the swordsman is standing on top of the uh, the construction site, and he's tossing Captain America off of it. And, like Cap's got his arms tied behind his back, and uh, Hawkeye, um, the Scarlet Witch, and Quicksilver are all looking up in horror as their their teammates like plunging towards them to his death. You know the one I'm talking about. Have you seen that cover before? Yes, it's great. I, I never have, but I like how you laugh during plunges towards his death <laughs> oh it's awesome this was this was back in the uh, marvel pop art productions phase before they oh, Jesus. gave up on that 12 cents original cover price on this and i said before that all of the the covers were uh were neil adams i meant that just for the dc ones this one of course is uh, i'm pretty sure this is uh kirby on this one Inside the interior, it's Don Heck and Wally Wood, but I'm pretty sure the cover on this is Kirby. I love Wally Wood. Yeah. My all-time favorites. But damn, is this awesome. I was just really, really blown away. So, Kirk, I know you're listening. Thank you so much, buddy. I really, really appreciated it. And uh, we didn't get to to see each other much or or talk much, but uh, we did talk on the phone a little bit uh, on his last night there. uh, uh, On my way home, I was just... You know, he called the... 
make sure that I'd gotten the books and everything. So we were just kind of shooting the breeze as I was driving home. And he was telling me that uh, it occurred to him the other day, he was trying to think of how he had uh, discovered two true freaks, basically. And if I remember properly, I think he said that he was listening to, oh, yeah, this is what it was, because he wanted me to tell this story, because I got such a kick out of it. He was listening to an episode of uh, of FCTC, you know, and he's a big fan of that show. I've been listening, you know, since the beginning of that show. And so this one episode came along, and he's listening to that, and, uh, or was it, wait, was it FCTC or was it Views? Anyway, there was an episode where the... I don't know. He's the one who told you the story. So. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> well, I mean, you, you might remember, because uh, he said it was this one where all of a sudden there was this, this guest star on there, or you know, guest uh, host on there that he'd never heard before, and the subject was about Superman, and the guy just started going off about everything that was wrong about modern-day Superman. That, and just... that, that was our catharsis episode, sir. Wait, which was, was that Views? That or... was Views. That was, that was Views. Okay. All right, yeah, so it was Views. And he said that it was just like one of those fist-pumping moments, like, I don't know who this guy is, but preach it, brother, kind of episode, you know? So he said based on that was when he, uh, he had to... to Check out, you know, the, sh- the other shows that I was doing, you know, that sort of thing. You know, check out, uh, you know, where I had come from to, to, you know, team up with you on that episode and everything. And then from there, he uh, he discovered uh, Two True Freaks and has been listening ever since. And then, you know, of course, that's led him to, you know, listening to uh, Hey Kids and uh, trying to remember the other shows that he told me that he's listened to now because of uh, starting listening to Two True Freaks. I think... Uh, a couple of the Disney shows that I, I listen to and plug from time to time, he discovered through listening to Two True Freaks. So it's one of those, you know, once again, the, the six degrees of Michael Bailey. You know, you, you, you led Kirk to me through, uh, through your show. So one of these days, we, we owe you a big fat royalty check or something like that. Yeah, one of these no, days. No, 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 no. Where you owe me the royalty check is Andrew Leyland, sir. <laughs> So, I'm trying to make some sort of you can lead a podcast listener to <laughs> podcast, but you can't make him a freak. But I can't. It doesn't work. <laughs> doesn't quite work. We'll, uh, we'll work on it. I'll, I'll put it in you the lab. Guy, and... You can lead a guy to iTunes, but you can't make him a freak. <laughs> That's a, yes. Okay, we're getting there. Yes, Ken. <laughs> <laughs> But that's pretty much all I had. Uh, I just I really wanted to, uh, for one thing, I really wanted to brag about those books because, hot damn, that's awesome, man. That is awesome, man. I that have, is great. I've said for the longest time that the reason I got into podcasting was for the swag, and this was this was a hell of a haul right here. This was nice. Well, see, bitching and moaning has gotten you some free stuff. <laughs> I guess you could look at it that way. It's supposed to work just the opposite. You're not supposed to get get rewarded for that. But in the podcasting world, everything's topsy-turvy. <laughs> you know, I had one thing that I forgot to mention at the beginning. that, um, And it's... Uh, I, I know, Scott, you probably got a copy of this, too, from our buddy Jose Rivera. Has written a book. That's right, yes. And he sent us yes, both a has. copy. I ha- uh, you got a copy, too, Mike? We all yes, got I copies of it. Not had a chance to read it yet, but neither I have I. But it's Underground Adventures, Volume One, by Jose A. Rivera, and you can, I, I, I assume, I think he told me you can go to Amazon and probably search Underground Adventures, Volume One, by Jose A. Rivera. 
and uh, and order up a an e copy of the book. So do it, do it now. I'm just always it. thrilled when anybody I know write, like writes a whole book. It's it, I just take my hat off to him. It, like that that was one of the most impressive things I ever saw Scott Gardner do. Is he wrote a whole novel when we were in high school, <laughs> beginning to end. And you laugh, but man, I wish I I wish I'd. I wish I could do that. <laughs> I wish I could do it and actually get the damn thing published now. I read a whole book once. Whatever happened to that book? Did you, did you actually have a copy of that still? No, I don't. I, I don't. Yeah, I don't know what man. the name of it. I think it got shit canned, unfortunately. Which is a shame. Or yeah, maybe not. It's a I good book. <laughs> no, I thought it was. I I thought it was a good book. And you know me at that at, at that age, I was an advanced reader. I was reading like, you know, Executioner's Song by Norman Mailer and stuff like that. <laughs> That's better than reading Executioner's Song, which is that X Men. Oh process. God, yes, <laughs> I'm sure it is. I'm sure, it took a little longer too. <laughs> oh, so what do we got next? Uh oh, next we got the Freaky Five. Oh. Okay, okay. so uh, subject this time around, this was chosen by uh, Fanboy MS Prime. And, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> here's, here's the subject. This is, this is what was posted on the forum. He says, I've got a top five I really want to see. He says, top five stories or issues where heroes fight villains they usually don't fight or it has been very rare. He says, such as Thor versus the Juggernaut, Cable versus Psycho Man, etc. Doesn't have to be Marvel, but those were the two that I thought of off the top of my head. And I just got to say before we get started, um, I was messaging First- with him the other day on on Facebook, and he was uh, he was amazed that uh, I told him that this one just totally kicked my ass. I could have come up easily with twelve. He shouldn't have dozen- been amazed. Huh? He shouldn't have been ama- He shouldn't have been amazed because I I was telling him also on Facebook at one time that it was kicking my ass. Yeah, too. <laughs> it did. I mean, I could have easily come up with probably uh, a list of at least a hundred. You know, different like superhero versus superhero fights that I like. You know, especially some really rare ones in in that era, right? In that type of genre. But you know, these this you know superhero fighting villain. They don't. I, I it it shouldn't have stumped me so bad. I feel like, but it did. It just it really kicked my ass. But I I still managed to come up with a decent list. I I think so. But uh. What do you guys think? How hard it think? How hard it had to be for me, who doesn't really read superhero <laughs> comics. Well, Mike, you, know. you wanna you wanna go first? Um, I'm I'm gonna be honest with you. That this kicked my ass. That I only really have two. Okay. Ooh, wow. Um, one one of them pisses me off, so I'll I'll <laughs> leave that for. Uh, for the second, but maybe the some, other maybe Kirk will send you some swag if you get really pissed off. Uh, <laughs> I got pissed off in that episode too. Um, <laughs> now he's there. Pissed off. I got pissed off the other day and was out in my backyard swearing while I was trying to pick some bike. Do I get some comics? Technically, though, <laughs> technically. One of them is like a bunch of different options uh, because my first one is Acts of Vengeance. 
Ah. Because the entire point of that storyline was to have hero fighting villain they don't normally fight. Right. Um, now, the one that I wanted to point out, even though he technically wasn't a hero at the time, was Magneto versus the Red Skull. Yes. Anything about Acts of Vengeance, which I actually thought was a really fun story, uh, crossover, because Marvel up, uh, at that point really didn't have the crossover thing down like DC did. But uh, even if it sucked, it was completely worth it. Because if you're not familiar with what Acts of Vengeance is, uh, one, it has a really neat poster that Scott owns. Yeah, um, you know, it's, it's funny you mention that because I was just thinking, I wonder where the hell my poster is for that, because I need to get that up on my wall. That is a beautiful poster. Yeah. Oh, uh, speaking of posters, I put up my World's Collide poster over my desk. Oh, you that five foot long. It's beautiful. Um, but anyways, uh, you, basically, you, you basically had Loki fucking with the Avengers. Right. And so he gets together this, like, cabal of... Um, of supervillains, including like Doctor Doom and Magneto and the Red Skull, and I thought, was Samariner part of that, or am I thinking of the Bendis thing? Anyways, long story short, they all decide to fuck with each other's heroes to throw the Avengers into disarray. Blah blah blah. You know, we're celebrating the anniversary of the Avengers, um, which they really weren't. Why did I say that? Anyways, Magneto's there, and in an issue of Captain America. He basically reveals that the only reason he joined this group was, I'm going to fucking get the Red Skull. Because, by the way, bitches, I was a Holocaust survivor. Right. So he... That's what I was thinking. He's not a big fan of Nazis, right? No. Right. He drops the Red Skull into a hole in the ground in the middle of nowhere and basically leaves him to die. And the only reason he survives is one, Crossbones comes and finds him. And two, he's in the cloned body of Steve Rogers. So right. he has Captain America's blood running through his veins. And I don't know if y'all know this, but if you've ever read Captain America's Ohatmu entry, Captain America has an interesting uh, thing that the Super Soldier Serum does. You know how when you exercise you get like sore and stiff and your muscles start getting tired? Right. And that's because lactic acid is building up in your muscles. Well, for some reason, his body filters all that out so he can just keep going and going and going. So I'm assuming that that kind of transfers into other things that he can survive without water longer. So basically, he probably has horrifying body odor, too. (laughs) It sweats out all his lactic acid. More, More than likely. That's why he wears a lot of Drakkar. But for me, it's just the idea of Magneto getting along with Red Skull and going, by the way, asshole, yeah, I'm here to take you down. That's just awesome. Um, Has that ever been traded, do you know? Yes. There is an omnibus. For for Acts of Vengeance? Yeah, I believe so. Let me me double check that because I know know there is an omnibus for Atlantis Attacks. Oh, God. And I know there's one for the Evolutionary War. Um, so, yeah, they're, they're, they're fucking trading everything. There's two. Um, if I'm correct, there's two of them. Uh, there's one that has... It's like one collects a bunch and another collects a bunch. So, huh. yeah, there's 
the Acts of Vengeance Omnibus and then the Acts of Vengeance Crossovers Omnibus. I so, might have to get yeah, those. Because you know me, I'm not much of a trade guy. I, I prefer to own the originals no. when I can, but I have had one royal bitch of a time tracking down the individual issues of Acts of Vengeance. So I might actually have to get that just because, you know, they're in one, you know, it's it's convenient one-stop shopping, you know what I mean? But every crossover I ever read from that event, I dug a lot, even when it was, like, stupid titles that I didn't really care about. Generally, just the fact that they were fighting somebody they didn't normally deal with, I really enjoyed mm-hmm. it. I looked at that, you know, I, I looked at... Uh, acts of vengeance but no no one chapter of that really jumped out at me as like okay that's a favorite you know because i i always kind of try to take freaky five as my personal favorites you know what i mean so while i enjoy the event not not one particular story of that event really jumps out at me so for just if anyone's interested the acts of vengeance omnibus uh the, the the non-crossover one contains Avengers 311 to 313, Annual 19, Avengers Spotlight 26 to 29, which is actually where uh, Acts of Vengeance started, Avengers West Coast 53 to 55, Captain America 365 to 367, Iron Man 251 to 252, Quasar 5 to 7, Thor 411 to 413, Cloak and Dagger number 9, Amazing Spider-Man. Oh, they have the entire Cosmic Spidey saga in here. Huh. Um, the amazing, the spectacular, and web of issues. Now, in the crossover one, which uh, which is just as big, one of the covers for the main omnibus is that poster, by the way. Uh, so that's oh, probably wow. the one you're going to want to track down. But then as, uh, the, the crossover one has fant- issues of Fantastic Four, Wolverine, Doctor Strange, Incredible Hulk, Punisher. The Punisher one was really cool because it was him fighting Doctor Doom. Doom. Yeah, I remember that. that was yeah, great storyline. That, that was I a good love one. that. Yeah, that uh, was a see, good I'm one. Getting, I'm, getting, I'm getting more entries out of this. I love this. Uh, Punisher War Journal, Mark Spector Moon Knight, Daredevil, Power Pack, Alpha Flight, New Mutants, Uncanny X-Men, X-Factor, Damage Control, the second Damage Control, and Web of Spider-Man. Well, that's really bizarre. But having said all that, Acts of Vengeance is just a fun idea. Right. And like I said, I, I really, I really think that at that time, Secret Wars notwithstanding, Marvel just didn't know how to do a crossover like DC did. Right. I don't know if their universe just isn't built for it, or they just couldn't get editorial together. I mean, it's just it, it's really weird because Secret Wars wasn't even really a crossover when you think about it. Because it's just a bunch of issues; they all go, and then the next issue they're back, and a, and all that time has passed. It has and always got to wait a year. Yeah, it's always bugged me immensely when people call Secret Wars a crossover because it didn't cross over with anything. It was a limited series, you know, self-contained. Yeah. yeah. So, and Secret Wars two was a big crossover, but no one really likes the main story. Even though some of the crossover issues, I understand, are pretty good. Yeah, the Daredevil um, was really good. But you know, you know, they had Evolutionary War, they had Atlantis Attacks, which are both you know very good ideas. But I just don't think the execution was all that good. Acts of Vengeance was the first time that it really pulled off. And I think the reason why it's a true Marvel crossover, in the sense that they're like, okay, if we're Marvel Comics, this is who we are as a company, so we're going to do a crossover our way, is that 
every you know like the main action was taking place in the Avengers books, and most of those were being written by John Byrne. So you had a central writer working on you know the meat of the story, but then you know it, you know the rest of them are like, hey, throw this villain into your book, and that's a cool idea, and that makes more sense in a Marvel setting to me. Mm-hmm. So um, you know, Marvel eventually got on the crossover bandwagon, uh, really starting with they tried with Maximum Security, but that was a terrible story. Uh, and you know they they really did the DC style crossover starting with Civil War. So right. Um, and uh, well, we saw also how that went. Anyways, uh, my other choice, which uh, which is the one that pisses me off, is from the No Man's Land storyline. And Lex Luthor comes to Gotham. Because basically he's trying to set up a power base in Gotham and he's maneuvering things behind the scenes to basically get Gotham opened back up to the United States and then own a bunch of land there. So you have Batman basically versus Lex Luthor. And for a while thereafter that, and it really started with Grant Morrison uh, during the Rock of Ages storyline in JLA, where he was kind of pitting Batman against Lex Luthor, they were kind of like tweaking Lex Luthor to be a Batman villain as well as a Superman villain. And the reason why that pisses me off is, God damn it, Batman has enough fucking villains that are cool in his. Don't take one of the few good Superman villains away from Superman and give them to Batman just because they're both businessmen. That that pissed me off. Like, flat (laughs) out, no question about it, you guys can go fuck yourself, piss me off. Because Scott and I have talked about this in the past, Superman has a rogues gallery that doesn't befit a character of his stature. He's got great villains, he's got villains with great potential, but no one... Even the animated series, to a certain extent, even though it did some really neat things with some of his villains, they didn't pull the trigger on Superman's rogues gallery like they did with Batman's, where they redefined all of those characters and made them awesome. Even the Clock King. How the hell do you make the Clock King awesome? And they managed to do so. Right. Um, You know, and and like I said... Clean as clock. I love how they, they, they redefined Toy Man into this really creepy concept. Uh, Lex Luthor was pretty badass. I liked their Brainiac. I liked Brainiac, their Bizarre. Yeah. Uh, their Parasite had a really cool concept behind it. Metallo was cool. But they didn't really like grab some of the more obscure ones, like Neutron. Neutron would have been a great villain yeah. for the best Superman animated series. He would. Cause I like that character a lot. Probably be, just because I was there when, when that character was created. That was, you know, during a time I... You know, was reading Superman as a kid, and I really latched onto that character. So, yeah, I would have liked to have seen them bring him in. Or even the Yellow Perry, who was a Superboy. Oh, God. Yeah. I don't know about that one. I know what you're talking about. I don't know about that one, but yeah. I thought that was like Perry White goes crazy and makes a... <laughs> he turns, into a, ye- turns into a yellow journalist. <laughs> but, uh, and I, guess I am the yellow been- journalist. I guess they never really did a kryptonite man because they had Metallo and he kind of serves that purpose anyways. But, um, and they created one. I've grown to like Livewire more than I used to. I used to hate that character with the passion of a, uh, you know, speaking of characters that Superman needs to throw into the sun. (laughs) Um, but 
having said all that, and as much as it annoys me, putting Lex Luthor into play in No Man's Land was a really interesting idea. Mm -hmm. Because it kind of... It was at the point of No Man's Land where Batman was like, okay, I I can't do this on my own. I have to call in my team. And now we really got to get serious about getting Gotham back in the United States. And having Lex come in at that point and say, you know, I'm going to manipulate things here and I'm going to end up owning Gotham. As Batman, he's like, there is no way a supervillain is going to come in and take over my town. And as Bruce Wayne, he's like, there is no way that you are going to come in and take away my city that, you know, my my family built. So it, it worked on a couple levels there. Ended up having a really good Bane appearance because I've spoken in the past that I think Bane is one of those characters that got watered down to the point where he wasn't really interesting anymore. Right. But he's he's basically brought in to be a bruiser. And Batman, once Batman figures out why he's there, he, he just he doesn't even want to fight him. <laughs> he's just like, okay, I know what's going on. Peace. So, um yeah, that was that was pretty cool, and there was a the the neat side effect of all of that though is it played nicely into Luther getting elected president a couple years later, right? Because it was just like, hey, he's the man that tried to save Gotham. Now he's going to save our country. I mean, it was just it, as a story point, it played out nicely later. So, and you know, it just bugs me that. Lex Luthor is elected president of the United States. Superman is his arch enemy, but it takes Superman and Batman to bring him down. Now, I like the first storyline in Superman Batman, and I thought the animated version was great. But it still just gets me just a little bit like, he, he really needed Batman's help on that? Okay. <laughs> okay. Y'all can go fuck it served to kind of bring those characters together, though. You know, the, what always yeah. bugged me about Superman, Batman, or Batman, Superman, whatever the hell the name of that book was, was that it, the name of the book wasn't World's Finest. That always kind of bugged me, because that is what the book was. And Lex Luthor was kind of the catalyst that, that finally brought these two guys together. Which had they'd been slowly coming together for a long time anyway, but this is where that that team really solidified. And I, I, that part of it I liked. If it if it took kind of taking Superman away, or excuse me, Lex Luthor away from Superman and giving him more to Batman for a time to to facilitate that, then I, then I'm good with it, you know, because because something good came out of it as far as a uh, as far as uh, um you know where it went. This is true. I, I, I will concede that point. I, I just still hold it, you know, assholes. <laughs> so. Now, what was the name of the of the DC event that was very similar to Acts of Vengeance years later? Underworld Unleashed. Right. I was trying to and think if there a- were any good... Because... Uh, See, I couldn't remember with that event. Was that heroes fighting villains they didn't normally fight, or was that heroes fighting villains? Now suddenly there, there were like these B-listers that got ramped way up. I couldn't remember, but it you, seemed to me like there was. It's the se- it's the second one, uh, basically. And Mark Wade talks about this in his introduction to the trade paperback. He's like, "This was our misguided attempt to take characters that were actually still pretty cool and make them all relevant for the '90s." 
Right. And in some cases it was kind of stupid, but in other cases you had Blockbuster who, you know, at the time was just kind of like stupid Roland Desmond, uh, you know, suddenly he's got a brain in his head. And at first he fights Impulse, but then Chuck Dixon grabs him and makes him Nightwing's kingpin, basically. And that series was much better for it. Uh, in most cases, you know, the, the, the upgrades were worth it. So, Right. But that is all I have, so I will turn it over to the next person. All right, I'll go ahead and uh, run it. Uh, oh, you want yeah, me? Go ahead. All no, right. I was going to say... <laughs> I'll run with uh, with my list real quick. Um, this one, I, I'll just have to say, my list, you know, you, you asked me again in a week, could be completely different because I, I try very much with this segment to go off the top of my head, not put a lot of, uh, you know, not cheat, basically, and put a lot of homework into it. I, I really feel like it should be a just, okay, you know, pop quiz, give me your five answers quick kind of thing. So that's how I tried to approach this, so... I know this is going to be one of those things where I'll listen back to the show later and, you know, kick myself for all the answers I shouldn't have had, but or should have had, rather, and didn't think of. Anyway, here my, here's mine. Um, number five, Superman versus uh, Baron Blitzkrieg in all-new Collector's Edition C-54, which was at the uh, Superman versus Wonder Woman oversized issue. Reading that as a kid for the very first time, I loved that shit. I had no idea who Baron Blitzkrieg was. Had never heard of him before. That may be his first appearance. I can't remember. But all I knew was here was Superman getting his ass kicked by this Nazi Superman, and I thought that was pretty awesome. I, you know, Baron Blitzkrieg holds his own with Superman in that story, and I thought that was pretty awesome to see. You know, there's this, like, anti-Superman, but not only is he, like, the anti-Superman, but he's not, like, another Kryptonian. He's not General Zod or somebody. He's actually, like, a super Nazi. I thought that Well, the that funny was thing cool. is that the Nazis were the actual ones who were trying to make <laughs> to a Superman. make a Superman, yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> um, Mike, you set me up perfect for my number four. You didn't even know it. Batman versus President-elect Lex Luthor. Now, this was a war of <laughs> words. This was not fisticuffs. But I love when Batman confronts President-elect Lex Luthor in Superman Lex 2000. It was a one-shot back in, of course, 2000. And one of the little mini because it was several different stories in one book, and one of the little mini-stories, I mean, it's only just a couple of pages long, is Batman coming to Luthor, and he basically confronts Luthor and says, look, you can have the kryptonite ring, or you can have the presidency. You cannot have both, and I'm here, I've am here. i come here to take one of them away from you. And what I really liked about that was at the end of that story, Lex Luthor doesn't back down from Batman. He's not afraid. I mean, I think he is afraid of him, but he doesn't show fear in the face of being... But he's the president at that point, so it's like, hey, man. (laughs) And he tells tells Batman flat out that, you know, you're basically, you're going to leave me alone during this, or I will bring down the full powers of the presidency to find out, you know, who you are, who Nightwing is, who Robin is. You know, I, I have this power to put you under constant surveillance and you you will not have any secrecies. Or, you know, you basically, you will not be allowed to operate the way you operate now. You know, I will, I will bring that kind of 
you know, hammer down on you. And I was like, wow, that uh, that was impressive to me. I really enjoyed that because it, it basically set the tone for what the the Luther presidency was going to be like. And I really enjoyed it. You know, I, I, I at the beginning of that whole storyline with President Luther, I was very nervous about the idea of them taking you know, not only a fictional character, but Lex Luthor of all characters and making him the president of the United States. I really didn't know how I felt about that. That story, I felt, that one shot, put, you know, really sold me on the idea. It really kind of yeah, kicked the whole thing up. if it didn't work. Yeah, it, it really did. And for a time, it was really great. I don't like where it eventually went. I think it got kind of silly. I think they kind of pussied out toward the end by making him kind of devolve into, you know, crazy old scientist Lex Luthor there at the end. I, that part of it I thought was stupid, but but this initial opening round with him and Batman just having like a, a, a good old-fashioned Mexican standoff, I thought that was awesome. I, I really enjoyed that. Yeah, because really what was Batman going to do? I mean, eventually they do get the ring. Right. Um, with a great crossover between Superman and Detective Comics. Uh, where you had this really awesome cover of Batman and Lois Lane swinging into action together. Yeah, that's right. Which which I liked quite a bit. Um, but yeah, if, if, that whole thing with the kryptonite ring was such a lovely bit of continuity mm-hmm. uh, that they played with. Because him getting that, ah, oh, man, it was just great. See, I liked that little story because Batman, and you could tell Batman was a little bit disconcerted in that story because Batman is used to, you know, swinging in or creeping in in the dark or whatever and confronting someone who just absolutely pisses their pants at the sight of him. And Luther didn't. Luther didn't show fear. Luther's been fighting Superman for all these years. What, right. You know, come on. Yeah, to, yeah to be fair, uh, as cool as Batman is, he has been fated, facing off against the most powerful being on planet Earth <laughs> for, for 10 years. So it's just like, you know, to his mind, and yeah, maybe misjudging Batman a little bit, but to his mind, you know, the flying rat from Gotham really isn't a threat to me. Right. Well, my number three, and this is for others to decide whether you think I'm cheating or not, because I don't know if these are really considered to be villains necessarily, yet I've never seen them portrayed you know, as heroes or heroically. And that would be Thor versus the Celestials in Thor's uh, issues 387 through 389. I don't know if either of you guys ever read this storyline, but holy shit, it's no. epic. You talk about like cinematic and, and really, really epic storytelling. It was fantastic. And one of the reasons I really liked this was this was kind of a... Uh, this was post the Simonson stuff. So Thor and, and the, the excitement and the... Uh, the um, I'm trying to think of the word I want to use. The, the epic, you know, uh, mythological nature of Thor had really been restored and really played up. You know, he was awesome again. You know, he was, he was, he was a god again. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm, it right. felt like a piece of, of actual mythology when you were reading, like, the, the Simonson Thor. This was just a little while later after that. 
And it was, uh, I believe, Tom DeFalco is the writer on this story. And I'm trying to remember who the art. It may have been Friends, but I forget. But the art was really solid. Writing was was solid. Really fantastic. I don't remember exactly what put Thor and the Celestials at odds with each other. But I remember it has one of the epic um, cliffhangers of all time, whereas at the end of one of the issues in this, cha- you know, in one of the chapters of this saga, Thor shatters Mjolnir fighting the Celestials, and you're you're just like, holy shit, you know, what's he gonna do now? And that's just, you know, that's just a basically an opening shot in in that story, and uh, it's really really good, really awesome stuff. Um. Number two um, is the Avengers, and really Thor more than anybody else, but the but the Avengers versus Count Nefaria in Avengers 165-166. Now, this is, uh, I think this is a Perez issue, if I remember right. I'm pretty sure it is. And that would get revisited again. A lot of the stuff from the original um, Perez run... And I'm trying to remember who the hell was the writer on the original George Perez run of uh, of Avengers. Jim Shooter. It, it might have been Jim Shooter. Well, years later, you know, after Heroes Return, it was Kurt Busiek and George Perez. They revisited a whole lot of stuff from that earlier run. Basically, took a lot of the same concepts, did them over again. Some of them were good, some of them were bad, some of them were better, some of them were worse. This was one they revisited, and I didn't think it was near as good as the original. The original fight between Thor and Count Nefaria in Avengers 165-166 is friggin' epic stuff. Because it's basically Thor versus Superman. And uh, really, really fantastic stuff. If you've never read it, uh, you've never read it, check it out, because it's really, really good. Um, and of course, my number one, kind of a similar theme to my number two. Um, this is uh, the FF versus Gladiator from FF number uh, two forty nine. Essentially, this is the FF versus Superman, or actually, it's really the FF versus Superboy, if you want to get technical about it, because the Gladiator is essentially he's Marvel Comics. Um, what do you call it? Amalgam? No, not amalgam. What's the analog, rather? Analog for Superboy. Because Gladiator, mm-hmm. you know, he was part of the Shi'ar Empire, this whole team of you know uh, protectors for the Shi'ar Empire. Gladiator was the leader of the team, and then his team was the... Um, oh, what the hell are they? Imperial, Imperial, Imperial Guard. And they were all done by uh, by Dave Cockrum. Well, Dave Cockrum was fresh off of working on Su- uh, Legion of Superheroes at that time. And so he created the Imperial Guard as being that analog for Marvel of the Legion of Superheroes. And it was very thinly disguised. I mean, Gladiator essentially looks, you know, right down to his costume, essentially looks like Superman or Superboy, except that he's, you know, he's got this big, like, OMAC-looking mohawk and purple skin. But other than that, he looks like Superboy. And so in that particular story, he comes to Earth seeking Skrulls and ends up battling the FF, thinking that they are Skrulls, and he just mops the floor with them 
and it is a fantastic issue. Now, I mean, I love the FF, don't get me wrong. I, I mean, I'm not cheering that the FF got their asses kicked, but at the same rate, you know, there's no mistaking in my mind that Burns Superman versus Burns FF, yeah, Superman's the one that's walking away from that fight, not the FF. And that's exactly what happens in that story. He kicks their asses, and it was really, really epic stuff. And uh, and that's my uh, Freaky Five. And I'm really anxious to hear what Chris came up with. Really? <laughs> well, unlike you, I can't just I can't just pull him out my uh, number two hole. <laughs> Come up! I had to do some serious. Uh, so I'm a little <laughs> uncomfortable with the number two hole. Just to tell you, <laughs> I'm trying to keep it fucking family friendly. Come on. <laughs> So my number five would be uh, with the just because it's one of the few that I have and have read is uh, X Men versus Dark Dark Seed Dark Side from the X Men oh, yeah. Teen yeah. Titans oh, crossover. Yeah, there you go with one I should have thought of exactly. Yeah, you're, you're talking Walt the, Simonson accent action yeah, there. The X Men Teen Titans team up. Yes. Yeah. That, that was the first one I could think of because it's one of the few. Um, I had, then I had to reach way back for number four. Number four is uh, Spider-Man versus the Wall, and I know that Amanda Wall. From no, this is from Spidey Stupid Stories number eight, and it was also, I believe, in the Electric Company. I believe the Wall appeared in the Electric Company at some point because he was so popular in the comics, obviously. And. And I thought about it at first, and I'm like, well, you know, the wall's just an obscure, stupid, spidey, stupid, stupid stories villain. But then I thought, no. The wall was, I, I believe he was a um, disillusioned baseball player. And he would hide in the back of baseball games and then whack umpires. So he was really the enemy of umpires. So Spider-Man was, yes, fighting... Somebody else's foe there. I know it's. I'm stretching. I'm sorry. Let me drink some more. It'd be okay. awesome if it was Spider-Man versus Pink Floyd's The Wall. That would be awesome. <laughs> what shall I'd we like to see, do? I'd like to see his version of Bring the Boys Home. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> I'm trying... <laughs> Mother, do you think they'll try to break my web shooters? <laughs> I make a better Broadway musical anyway. Okay, uh, number three, Aquaman versus the Penguin. Remember that one? No. He basically, he basically like swam him down and ate him. Number two. Did you make that up? No. Number two. <laughs> Daredevil okay. versus Galactus. Okay, I'm sorry. You're gonna have to fucking show your work on that one. I'll, I'll, it's, I, I'll, I'll, I'll post it up later. You don't okay. remember no, that? No, no, He's no, swimming no, no, no. right down and just, just. This, this is not gonna be you going to that site that has like the team ups that never happened. I mean, <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Number two, Daredevil versus Galactus. Remember that one? And they had that long talk, and Daredevil basically was just like, look at me, I'm blind, my girlfriend is 
a junkie, my other girlfriend's a dead ninja, and basically he just depressed Galactus so much that he was like, fuck it, I don't even have the energy to kill you and put you out of your misery, I'm just leaving. That was a weird one. <laughs> that that a- one I might have, ha- that one might have been a dream, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm pretty sure that one happened. Number one. And I know this is a favorite of Scott's too. That he's gonna. This is gonna be a face palm for Scott. Hulk versus Mother Teresa. <laughs> Which one's the villain? Mother I think Teresa. we know who the. I think we know who the villain is. In this <laughs> and if anybody wonders who won, well, I just saw a movie with the Hulk in it. <laughs> Fairly recently, I haven't seen Mother Teresa doing that much. So you realize, like how many pieces Mother Teresa would have been in if the Hulk, you know, pulled a Loki on her. Yes, <laughs> but I'll show my work on that. There's, uh, yeah. Oh, I've seen that. That I believe you. Yeah, I believe that in was that not at all kind of way, but I believe you. I was at my local comic shop, and I was so happy to see. That they're putting out. I saw a treasury-sized Doctor Who comic of the old of the ones that they did in Marvel Premiere. The Dave Dave Gibbons, I believe, drew them. Dave Gibbons Doctor Who, maybe. Mm, yeah, you might be right. I'm not sure. They were British. They were British comics that got reprinted in like Marvel Premiere, mm-hmm. and they got them all in a giant in a treasury edition. It was so good to see something in treasury edition. Hulk and Mother Teresa. And then the last panel in that that's just this red smear on the dusty ground. <laughs> Perfect. Looks great in the large format. But yeah, that's my Freaky Five. It was um, surprisingly easy. It's, it seems like it was a little easier for me than it was for you guys. I'm impressed <laughs> with myself right right now. Kind of feeling more confident about this whole comic book thing lately <laughs> starting you know hold my own with the big boys here oh for god's sake <laughs> well next time on the freaky five we have something we've never had before gentlemen we oh, have choices these what? are submitted yeah. by uh, TNR105, who, you know what? I haven't seen him or her post on the forum in a long time, so I hope that uh, he or she is still around. What? TNR105, can you, are you reading me? <laughs> um, so here We're fine is here. A... Everything's fine. You, know, <laughs> you don't have to come up here. It's okay. How are you? So here a is a list of uh, of potential uh, freaky fives for next time. So we'll, we'll, I think we should put. Oh, we this get to, to choose a, a, one. Yeah, okay. I, I'd say I, I'm not sure if he intended it this way, but uh, this is a list of several of them, and uh, and I think it'd be fun to just uh, to choose one that uh, that we all agree on and go with this for next time. So here's the the potential list. We've got uh, top five underrated characters, top five overrated characters. Top five stories you like by writers you hate. Top five characters that deserve their own movie. And I think that's going to be my personal vote right there. Top five stories. What? I'm liking that one so far, too. Top five stories that need to be collected and or reprinted. That's a good one, too. 
and top five comic ideas that you can't believe haven't been done yet. That's a really good one as well. Ooh, that is a good one. So what do you think, fellas? Let's say we do the movie one. I like the movie one, too. I like too. the movie one, too. All right, so mm-hmm. next time around for the Freaky Five, top five characters that deserve their own damn movie. And that brings us to everybody's favorite part of the show. Oh, Christ. That's right. Get Chris to read a goddamn superhero comic. Comic. <laughs> well, this do we, month... Do we need a break or anything first? Does anybody need to refresh a drink or take a piss or anything like that? Or, or piss in their drink? <laughs> or <laughs> Refresh a piss or take a drink? <laughs> or drink their piss or... or well, uh, yeah, I'm getting confused. I'm okay. I'm All good right. to go. I'm good to go and ready to launch. Well, th- this time I, I actually, um, uh, uh, putting this show together, we didn't have a Make Chris Read a Goddamn Comic Book, even though we have 8 million of them. We hadn't picked one. So I just went on Facebook and had the first person who would, you know, offer one up and have a... Um, and what's really funny is my computer just said that that same person just went off of line on Skype just <laughs> as I was about to mention their name. But Josh Bertoni was like, here's the comic, and here's where you can get the CBR for it. So he, that, he got he got the pick. And it's also something, I don't know if it's secret, but he's he's preparing something for around Christmas time concerning this comic. So it's a little podcast crossover. But um, okay. <clears throat> the comic I read this month is Superman's Girlfriend Lois Lane number 21. I will say that this is a good comic because it is one comic. So I had time to read it and write my report and watch naked girl movies on my computer. <laughs> this comic came out in the, in like 1920 and is for girls, but I bet Scott and Mike both have a copy of it. There are two stories in this comic. The first is about Lois Lane dolls. It is a nice and realistic story about how the anti-Superman society make Lois Lane dolls pretending to be a toy company and the dolls are popular because girls like reporters. They make a life-size Lois doll with a bomb inside to give to Superman, so presumably when he tries to have sex with it, it will blow up. Lois gets switched with the bomb when she pretends to be the doll and is given a roofie. Superman leaves her at his house, but she ends up in the bottle city of Kandor, where a Superman lookalike named Dick Z proposes marriage, but then she is beamed back out. But there is another real life real life-like story where Lois Lane and Lana Lang go swimming in a magic lake that gives them superpowers and then is destroyed by a missile accident. So, since Superman's enemies can't hurt them, they have a wife contest so Superman can pick who will be his bride. This is a good idea, and I will have to remember it next time two girls want to date me. They make him giant pizzas and tons of flapjacks to prove they are good cooks and then tart themselves up like hussies and then do good deeds. They even carve their faces in mountains because having superpowers apparently makes you a gifted sculptor too. Superman is a super flake 
and can't decide, but then it doesn't matter because they lose their powers. Then he's a super dick and tells them that his choice, that his choices of wives' initials are LL. He tells them it is not Lex Luthor because Superman is not gay. The end. <laughs> and you know what? That was a stupid oral report, but it really doesn't really get to how stupid this comic is. Wow. <laughs> I've never really read much of these the, these old these old Do you guys actually own paper copies of this comic? I think no. I only have one Lois Lane in my entire collection because they're all just like this. Are you well, kidding? And this is like no. this is like prime David Lynch stuff. This is <laughs> this is some surreal <laughs> shit. Man. That's not that's not quite accurate, Scott. Because all the ones from the '60s are just like this. When you get into the '70s, you get into a whole different flavor of fucked up. Oh yeah, that's true. <laughs> Including but they, but they, I Am Curious Black, where, Lo- where Superman turns Lois Lane into a black woman for a day. So oh, I thought she was going to get, like, jungle fever or something. <laughs> there's that whole movie, I Am Curious Yellow, that was all nudity and, and sexy parts and stuff. Oh, um, God. Th- they say they didn't know, and I think they're liars. So. <laughs> they are total liars. I have to say one thing in this issue's defense, though, is in in the second story. Now, see, I'm looking at a CBR of this. So on the CBR, it's page 30. Um, so page 30. It's the second story, though. It's the Lana versus Lois story. And in that part, it's listed here as page seven. Anyway, the top of that page, there's two panels of um, who the hell is this? Okay, it's Lana. She's underwater and she goes into an old sunken galleon, and she finds this uh, this a chest chest. of jewels. Of course, (laughs) just look at the art in those two pages, especially the second picture where she's underwater. Typically, you know, this is one of those things. Why I was never really a fan of say like uh, like Aquaman or or Namor Adventures where they were actually in the sea like at Atlantis and stuff because they'd just be like normal people they'd be sitting in chairs and you know watching TV and shit and I'm thinking you're underwater you know <laughs> and here she's underwater and like her cape is floating up and her hair's all fucked up the way your hair is when you're underwater and stuff the, and the art is nice it's beautiful yeah i really like that it's not and i'm not usually much on uh, on kurt schaffenberger but this is some really nice stuff yeah it just it, it makes me just wonder why so much care was taken <laughs> in, the, in, in this particular i mean there's there's just yeah, the, the the drawings are really neat, and there and there's it's full of just those surreal things that like okay, this is how it works in in Superman world. Like, oh, you need some maple syrup? Well, let's just squeeze it out of this tree here, and I'll squeeze this tree like it's a big rubber thing, and maple syrup will will squirt out the hole. But it's there is nothing that you just said that cannot be taken wrong no i know (laughs) i know (laughs) and what uh, really pisses me off about a story like this though now i realize that this is what the hell year is this comic let me see i gotta look back at the indicia 10 cents 
So this is probably what fifty six. I'm gonna guess just to get oh sixty. All right, this is November nineteen sixty. So you know we're getting a little more progressive in the way that we think and and do things. And all right, you know the bottom line is now I realize Superman's supposed to be a wholesome character and all that sort of thing. God damn it, man! This is being handed to you on a silver platter. Uh-huh. Why does he never once propose the idea of having both these crazy psycho uh, bitches at the same time? Exactly. Just it's a crypto. Are, are we that's a how Kevin we do it in Smith Krypton. <laughs> that's how that's saying. that's how we do it on Krypton. No, we're in our minds, man. This is the way. This no, is, no. Wasn't the, wasn't this wasn't this Banky's argument about why Archie didn't Archie, decide yes. between didn't decide between Betty and Veronica because he wanted both of them in bed at once. You're I mean, you're right. You're right. And I, I didn't mean to channel. No, no, Kevin I'm, Smith, I'm not, but I'm no, not, you're right. You're that is I'm exactly not the argument. Out, dude, I'm just making a joke, I promise. Because <laughs> I think that's funny. I Cause, yeah. Because it's a fair it's a fair assessment, I think. Yeah, so, See, I, I mean think Superman should salvage it here at the very end of this and, and be, you know, working his way towards, you know, introducing that idea to these two. Because then he, Lois even says, LL, she says, well, that could mean either uh, me or Alana, she says, or even my sister Lucy Lane. And I'm thinking Superman should be like, yeah, let's go. Oh, get yeah, Lucy. right. Yeah. <laughs> okay, you, do, you do have a sister named Lucy, right? She, uh... How old is she? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, I mean. Hear me out on this. Okay? <laughs> right, right, right. I will marry you if you'll let me have sex with your sister in front of you. <laughs> and think Let's of, see how bad you want to be, Mrs. Superman. Yeah, just you know. I mean, the average life expectancy of a wife of Superman, who's just a regular Earth woman, it's going to take twenty years off your life. You might as well spread it out amongst three or four ladies. Like, Ladies, like I'm, like I'm about to spread the Kryptonian herpes all over you. So. <laughs> well, you know, exactly. they do every test in this story to prove their worthiness to be Mrs. Superman. You know, from dolling themselves up to proving that they're great sculptors to proving that they can cook. I'm thinking that yeah, you know, there's pretty much one more test that uh, that needs some to other be tests. performed here. You know, there's some other there's some <laughs> other wifely duties tests. that could be involved. Yes, exactly. I mean, what if Superman turns out to be a twisted ass freak? I mean, <laughs> I mean, is that really what you well, want? Then it, I mean, it's, then it depends I mean, it's on which you... one of them has the twisted ass. You know, <laughs> I mean, I mean it's twisted not ass you want syndrome. To... <laughs> I will admit, it's not how you want to think of the Man of Steel. But you know, if he's just like, look, I only get off on anal. Then you know Lois or Lana is pretty much stuck. Now Lana probably Why hasn't Lois been at her desk. She's in the <laughs> hospital with twisted ass. No, no, because and there is a panel of her complaining about how she can't sit down after the pounding that Superman gave her ass the previous night because she's staying in the uh, fortress of solitude and one of the fortress robots is punishing her by spanking her. Now I'm not going to go in and how fucked up that shit is, <laughs> but, but really, but really, let's let's go down this road. Superman likes Blumpkins. So, I mean, are, is Lois really going to go for that? I mean, come on. I mean, these, these, are, these are the things they never addressed in the Silver Age, probably because they're fucking insane, but still. Well, the, the, they still address quite a bit in here, but it's just all bizarre. Although, I gotta say, they introduced one of the greatest characters um, ever, I have to say. And this guy carries a whole comic, and we don't even know his name, but he's he's the owner of Yum Yum Pizzas. 
and man, just an awesome character. <laughs> yeah, he he uh, he was he his uh, his revamp in the post crisis era. I thought was just yeah, it's, the worst. It's not I him. Mean, did, 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 I mean, it's not. I mean, one he owns a uh, a big belly burger franchise, which, which is like the antithesis of pizza. It's that's not yum yum pizzas. Yeah, yeah. I don't even. I don't even read that shit. And that man's name was Mo Green. <laughs> But, but the whole the whole storyline where she goes into the bottle city of Kandor and like there's Dick Z <laughs> who dresses up like Superman because the kids just like to see him in his Superman outfit and they insisted that he dress like that all the time. So yeah, you, any good you, uncle you should... would do. He says, okay, I'll live the rest of my normal life dressed as Superman here in Kandor and, yeah, and show just... <laughs> Usually he's the guy that has to register as a sex offender later in life. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, and then you have this whole weird little, you know, lo- where Lois, like, leads him on for a while because he, at least he looks like Superman. It's just bizarre. Just, I, and, and isn't this comics made for little girls? No wonder there's a whole generation of fucked up women. See, I'd argue that it's made for little girls. Yeah, that's what I'm saying, and and what life lessons it's it's teaching. <laughs> I mean, I don't really know if they're you, good or bad. They're just fucking bizarre. When you look at these things and you look at these stories and how relationships are treated mm-hmm. uh, in this era, it, it's kind of amazing that any anybody had healthy relationships. <laughs> <laughs> later in adult life when this is like their first exposure. I mean, I'm just assuming that some of these people just had really good parents that were able to, you know, provide them with a more stable, you know, thing. Because basically what Lois Lane of this era teaches young men is that if a girl likes you, she's going to do her best to ruin your life. Because when you really think of Lois Lane as a character, what does she want to do? She wants to prove that Clark Kent is Superman. Why? So she can get the story. Not really caring about what it does to Superman's life. So, I always thought she wanted the story so she could blackmail him into marrying her. No, she was gonna. It was gonna be her scoop, her big scoop. What a scoop, scoop! I just realized something here. I, I guess I didn't read. Of course, I didn't really read the story at all. I just kind of skimmed through it because I was pressed for time, but. uh, so he Lois really ends stupid. up basically romancing and falling in love with Dick Z. He actually oh, she proposes... doesn't fall in love with him. She, yeah, he falls in love with her. She's just like, you know, she's just sort of like, this guy is a lot like Superman. This is fun for me while I'm here. But, you know, pretty soon I know he's going to ask me to marry him, you know? Well, she's not, she's not thinking this thing through because she says several times here, you know, if, you know, Basically, how he, you know, it, oh, where is it? It's where they're having dinner. She says, uh, it's almost like having uh, the real Superman at my side. I'm thinking, you, this isn't just like an actor in a Superman suit. I mean, he's Superman's physical twin and he's a Kryptonian. So if he leaves the bottle, he becomes a Superman, just like Superman does. So what's her problem here? You know, and this guy's not out there, you know, fighting crime every day and everything. She could actually have this guy. Yeah, but Lois wouldn't want that. This Lois is a stupid bitch, so she wants something <laughs> she can't have. 
Well, I just think it's incredibly cruel of her that she's, you know, oh yeah, you know, they're kissing and everything, and then the next thing you know, he actually proposes to her, and then of course the the you know zap gun or whatever takes that moment to to wear off, and she starts to fade away. She never even pays this guy the courtesy of an answer. She just goes on with the rest. <laughs> I thought you were going to say a reach around. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what I mean? He, so he's in the bottle, you know, dying of a broken heart or whatever, and she never even gets back in touch with him to, like, let him know one way or the other, you know. Hey, I'm alive. You know, everything's all right. I decided not to. You know, nothing. Just just leaves the poor slot right. hanging. So when he dies, you know, they're sitting there playing the George Jones song, He Stopped Loving Her Today. <laughs> it's just full of all these, like, convenient, convenient, they, it's just oh, that's whole, the to the point of hilarity. Yeah, hilarity. Yeah, I was about to say. You're going to be here a while, so let's get you a job at the equivalent of the Daily Planet, where I sit around at a desk dressed as Superman all day. And there's even a Kryptonian, you know, Jimmy Olsen handing papers to the Kryptonian, you know, Perry White. Yep. But they have space typewriters, you know. But but that's funny. It's like, you might be here for a while, so let's get you a job, deadbeat. You know, it, it's just <laughs> just weird. It's just like, what, what does this add? You know, I'm so used to, like, things that happen, happen in a story adding to the story or meaning something in the story and in this of course it's just <laughs> just things you. happen yeah just, <laughs> just just happens to happen and i like how like you know she can be in the fortress of solitude and she knows that somewhere in the candor zoo there's this one animal that has no lungs and oh that's the perfect thing to to switch over and the, just the fact that if you would have a beam to get you into the bottle city of Candor, that the only way it would work is an is as an exchange. Why does that even make any sense at all? So yeah, <laughs> I guess maybe I'm a newbie. I'm a sense. newbie to this stuff. I guess, <laughs> but holy cow, man! Holy you're, holies! You're, you're wanting information and 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 logic where none exist. Yeah. I just handle it as like a uh, David Lynch movie or something like that, you know? <laughs> that like in the first one, in the first one, and just what people think is okay behavior in these days. It's like, oh my God, the Lois Lane doll's, you know, wind up key is broken off. So Lois, Lois, you got to pretend to be the doll, or else people are what they're going to be disappointed. Or so she goes out and love that Superman, love that Superman, and then the guy's like, oh shit, the Lois doll cries sneezes and sleeps so he like <laughs> cuts up an onion to make her cry he's shakes pepper on her to make her sneeze then he throws a roofie in her mouth hey, here's my wife's sleeping pill i'll throw it in her mouth and where's the part where superman goes and beats the shit out of this guy or, <laughs> or, you know, or she goes in afterwards with the cops and he goes there's a guy he first he assaulted me with with a you know with pepper assault with a deadly pepper and then he drugged me unconscious and i almost died because and god knows what superman would do with a real life lois lane doll you know he could have really seriously hurt her <laughs> i like the panel on uh, on page 3 where the i you know lois is sold on the idea of this doll and everything so then it says, uh, 
Lois is at hand days later at the Metropolis department store when, and she's looking in the window at all these Lois Lane dolls that are now on display, and she's thinking to herself, I don't suppose anybody cares about dolls that look like me. And then she turns around and she goes, oh, goodness. And this one little girl is pointing at the dolls going, look, Lois Lane dolls. And another one's going, Mommy, I want one. And then there's this little girl running straight at the glass, and she says, she's my favorite reporter. And I'm thinking, is that right? Name three more. <laughs> yeah, come on. She's, a, she's like, at home with her Cronkite doll. And- um, <laughs> Woodward. Bernstein. This is yeah. This is before Rosencrantz, <laughs> Guildenstern. Yeah. Oh God. Just let the girl have her dream. God, Scott, why do you always want to ruin people's lives? <laughs> Poor it's- girl's been been making do with an Edward R. Murrow doll, and not you know that's been the good night with, and good luck. Yeah, good night a, and good luck. And a cha- good all, night and good luck. And all it does is say good night and good luck and chain smoke and stink up the whole house. <laughs> yeah, but what it also does is take on Senator uh, Senator Joe McCarthy in the most awesome display of being cool without losing your shit. That I without ever losing seen. your shit. He, yeah, <laughs> he ba- was- that, that was a total supervillain superhero battle in real life. Yeah, you guys ever see that movie? Which one? Good night and good luck. No, I haven't seen that. But I've seen a lot of the actual, you know, footage of Edward R. Murrow uh, doing his thing. That's, that's, I wish we had reporters like that who looked like they were fucking hungover and they're sitting in the shitty newsroom, chain smoking on camera, (laughs) like, like, um, Rod Serling. That's that's what I wish we had. Hard boil, hard but with like their noses just pitted and you know gin blossoms on them from drinking hard liquor because they know the truth and it eats up their guts. <laughs> wow this this discussion just took a very dark. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, I know that out of a Lois Lane out <laughs> of a Lois Lane comic. There is some disturbing <laughs> imagery in this thing. I'll tell you what. Yeah. The Lois Lane blimp. <laughs> I like the uh the creature, the blue creature in the interplanetary zoo that looks like oh, who is that old timey comedian that you had the big noise you used to go cha 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 Oh Jimmy Durant. Jimmy Durant. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I got some... no lungs. I got no lungs. I wish there was I'm credits in this damn Burgess book because Meredith. I'm trying to figure out who the artist is here because it looks like Kurt Schaffenberger all the way through, but then there's that one uh, shot of Superman where he's flying away. I can't. I don't know what page this is because the the numbers kind of screw. Let's see. This must be page. Oh, it's page eight where Superman's flying away. That is most definitely a uh, a Wayne Boring pose right there. So it's weird. It's like a mashup of different art styles. But uh, the art's the art's actually not too bad. But man, this is some messed up shit on this story, though. See, this is why I really don't want to ever cover the Silver Age of any book for any extended period <laughs> of time, because eventually you're going to get to something like this, and your whole perception of reality 
is going to be wrong, and then you're going to like they're going to wait. You're going to wake up in a hotel room surrounded in nothing but old like Lois Lane comics, wondering how the hell you got there. <laughs> Your wife's wondering where you are. And, you know, there, <laughs> there's like three monkeys in the room. And you're like, how the hell did this happen? So, <laughs> very sad. Very sad indeed. Just, I love the Fortress of Solitude, like, when it does its decontamination process. I mean, I'm assuming that the decontamination process is Superman's assuming that nobody else is going to be there. Yet, at right. the same time, it's got a convenient sign hanging from it. It says automatic tank once a month sprays microbes cast through fortress to <laughs> it's just like, oh thank you, how handy. And it's not I, at first I thought maybe this, was, this gets rid of stupid bitch really easy yeah. too. So. And he's got and like and and there's things that I didn't notice the first time that I just noticed now that like one of his one of his, you know, keepsakes here at his Fortress Assault is not a Superman robot, but a glass model right. of a Superman robot. These guys were having fun, man. I love the I love the goofy creatures in the background, just sort of looking up out of their cages and stuff. It's it's some goofy shit, but it's like surprisingly well rendered goofy shit. So it's confusing. It's sending me mixed signals. See, I always like the Kryptonian stuff of this era, just because I, I love the projecting futuristic type stuff you know mm. what i mean it's it, it's i mean in this case it's supposed to be otherworldly but really all it is is it's it's advanced humanity it's like yes in the future though that you know guess what we do have giant screen tvs like that but they just don't have big dials on them like <laughs> right <laughs> like a regular tv like these ones do well what i want to know is if all it takes for them to to see a movie they go to see mental movies and they put these goofy looking helmets on so why do people actually go to the movies anymore? Why do they actually go and congregate in a dark theater? To sit if the with helmets on. Yeah, with- I, that doesn't make any sense to me at all. That's you ever bizarre. seen the movie Diner? No. No, I haven't. Okay, there, there's a scene in that with Popcorn and uh, Mickey Rourke that you all need to watch, and that's why they go to the movies. Okay. I have a favorite line of dialogue. <laughs> he, he puts his dick in the popcorn. And wants the girl yeah. to like fish for it. Oh, that old trick! <laughs> <laughs> you know that doesn't even have a date with him at the at the movies. That leads right to my favorite line in this comic. Uh-oh. Gee, this is just like su- sitting on Superman's lap, Uncle Dick. <laughs> <laughs> and if you look at that picture, it, this is on page seventeen in the CBR. Look at the positioning of of uh, little Kryptonian boy's leg, and um, and how Superman's sitting there. And tell me these writers or these writers and artists aren't sick, sick fucks. <laughs> yeah, and so the, that's looking a little uncomfortable there. You know well, what? Look amazingly like the children that uh, that Superman and Lois would have over and over and over again in imaginary stories too. Uh huh. Uh-huh, little black-haired. Yeah. Snot noses. <laughs> snot. I don't remember brats. Dick Z ever mentioned in any other story, and I have read a lot of stories with Van Z. So what because it's the dumbest name ever. 
I mean, does he have like a really cheesy southern accent? Howdy, y'all! I'm Dixie! <laughs> oh, good lord. I wish I was in the land of cotton. Or whatever cotton is on Krypton. In the land of space cotton. <laughs> He's the right. one that's the biggest proponent of that island they sent all the black people to. And oh, if you think I'm sitting here... Story? No, no. There was... Let, let me get my source book out. There is a section of Krypton where all the black people live. <laughs> See, they, they I, did that in Legion of Superheroes, too. They they finally did a story explaining why you never saw black people in the 30th century, and it turned out that at some point in the past, some point between the 20th and the 30th centuries, that all the black people had been sent to live on this one special island, uh, and then the island turned out to be like Brigadoon or something, where it faded in the, out of reality like years <laughs> or something. And I'm like, yeah, that's not going to piss anybody off. That's that's not offensive at all. That and there were giant island. watermelon plants on it, and, <laughs> and giant chickens and stuff like that. Yeah, and everyone drinks at a long neck Budweisers. No, um. Yeah. Vathlo Island, everywhere. home of a highly developed black race. Well, at least they, they were highly high, developed. What do they anyway? mean, highly developed? <laughs> they were, considering how incredibly goddamn stupid most people were in these old Silver Age stories, I mean, Superman doesn't represent well in a lot of these stories, I'm sad to say. So maybe the black people were the smartest ones. And well, that's said, what I'm saying. They're like, I'm getting the hell away from these stupid exactly. white I I was in the desert the other day and I saw this crazy white bitch with superpowers flipping a thousand flapjacks and trying to get into Superman's pants and I'm just like, you know what? I want to go someplace where I could watch some in, you know, an intelligent movie and read some books in peace without this sort of cra- <laughs> stupid bullshit. What the hell is that all about? Well, hope Superman this. ends yeah, we- up throwing them at like guys on a ship who whose ship ran out of food, and like three days later, those guys are probably like, "Do I need another flapjack?" I don't know. They're starting to get moldy, and the seagulls are getting at them. You know, couldn't Superman have towed us to shore instead of throwing us flapjacks? <laughs> yeah. Get out of that crazy white person world, man. That's some dumb shit. <laughs> we're getting letters on this one. <laughs> letters, we're getting letters. Hey, speaking of which, I looked in the mailbag and there was not a single damn letter for Comics Monthly Monday. Now, I know that we get listeners to this show, so God damn it, right in already. So, you know, it's like Mike said, we're going to get letters anyway regardless to this show. But I'd like to get some that are not... Uh, <laughs> calling for our heads. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, but uh, I think we should probably wrap it up for this time. But uh, before we go, I just want to throw out that uh, next time around for uh, Get Chris to Read. Now, this was supposed to be my pick this time, and I dropped the ball. I just couldn't think of anything in time. But I was listening to uh, our coverage of uh, Star Wars Celebration. At some point in the umpteen hours worth of uh, audio and all that stuff, you and I, Chris, were talking about uh, a comic that, I, frankly, I was amazed to hear you say that you've never read, which was, um, it's a Marvel graphic novel. I forget which number. Oh, yeah. Just a second here. Let me look it up real quick. I want to say it's 18, but I'm not sure that's right. So give me just a second to look it up here. Hurry up, stupid computer. 
And then I, we even have the one for the month after that. Yes. All right, here we go. Marvel. Graphic. This is some fascinating audio, isn't it? Here we go. Marvel graphic novel at number 18. I was right. Number 18, this is the uh, She-Hulk graphic novel by John Byrne. And uh, I didn't know that you had never read this before. I may have to. I may have to be alone with that one. It's some good stuff, and she gets naked. That's what I'm saying. John yep. Byrne drawing the She-Hulk, who I already. Yep. Sensational She-Hulk by John Byrne, Kim DeMalder, and Petra Scotis. She's kind of what I would imagine Mala would be like if you shaved her, <laughs> painted her green. Mm. <laughs> I, I need like an that. adult. I think I'm going to make Scott into a Janis Chaplin album cover this month. What? <laughs> You're the only one left in the... There's there's a... It was um, Michael Bailey on Nirvana. Me as Michael Jackson. Ah, you gotcha. You're going to be an iconic record cover for this Ooh, I'm month. trying to think. Who would I want to be if I was on an iconic record cover? It has to be... That's the thing. You could like you could be a rock star, but they have to have some Purple sort of... Rain. Like a, I want to see Scott on the motorcycle. <laughs> on the motorcycle. <laughs> that could be funny, actually. Oh, I'm writing that down. Oh, my God. All right. Guys, once again, kept me up way too late, so I got to I gotta hit the You know, there's a lot of blame in your life, isn't there? There is. I, I don't take personal responsibility. <laughs> You're just noticing this? <laughs> no, I'm just calling you out on it. How can you call him out on it when he's aware of it and doesn't give a shit? <laughs> Well, that is, that is kind of the it's, antithesis of it's, calling yeah, out, isn't it's it? It's not call, yeah, it's just pointing out at this point. Yeah. <laughs> you can sponsor an episode of this or any other of your favorite Two True Freaks affiliated shows. Simply click the PayPal link on our website, donate any amount at all, Tell us which show you're choosing and what message, if any, you'd like us to read on your behalf, and you will be an official sponsor of that show's very next episode, with your message read in the show's opener. It's that easy, and there is no minimum donation. Be a show sponsor today. Anytime you plan to visit Amazon.com, please be aware that if you use the Amazon.com link located on our website www.twotruefreaks.libson.com Two True Freaks will receive a referral bonus for any items you purchase. There is absolutely no additional cost to you whatsoever for doing this. All proceeds go directly toward keeping new episodes of all your favorite Two True Freaks affiliated podcasts rolling and it really helps us out. So please, use our Amazon.com link anytime you plan to visit Amazon.com. Welcome to Amazon. I love you. <laughs> and three, four. Lonely, unmarried, looking for love Life was passing me by 
so I sent off my photo hobbies and age magazine marriage I'll try they say for centuries lovely Japanese girls have been trained in the art of pleasing men be lonely no more open destiny's door for one dollar they arrange a meeting my image was wrong I didn't like me so I changed my personality I bought a deluxe Mersey beat wig but it was a size too big what confidence in my new built-up shoes so smart for winter or summer undetectable in normal everyday use look out there's a monster coming visit our website at twotruefreaks.lipson.com two true freaks is always spelled t-w-o-t-r-u-e-f-r-e-a-k-s Libsyn is spelled L-I-B-S-Y-N. You can email Two True Freaks directly at twotruefreaks at gmail.com. Join our forum at forumforgeeks.com, where you can discuss all of the shows on our feed with us and your fellow listeners. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. And hey, you can friend me, Scott Gardner, on Facebook, too. My name is spelled S-C-O-T-T-G-A-R-D-N-E-R. You can friend me on Facebook, too, if you can find me. Now available, Two True Freaks t-shirts. See our website for details. Two True Freaks is a very proud member of the Comics Podcast Network. You can check that out at www.comicspodcast.com, where you can hear our new episodes when we put them up. We are also members of the League of Comic Book Podcasts. For more information, visit comicbooknoise.com slash league. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? Thanks for listening, and join us every Monday for new episodes of Two True Freaks. There's a monster coming. Look out, there's a monster coming. Look out, there's a monster coming.